Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. As we think about this Christmas season, but as we think about something even more important, the work of the Spirit uh, in Romans chapter 8. So I'm going to pray for us. Our great Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the things you're doing in our midst, uh, the lives that you're changing, uh, the work of the Spirit that's so evident uh, when someone puts their faith in Jesus and everything changes. Uh, Father, thank you that you've, you've done that work in us, in many of us here. Uh, Lord, pl- please continue to do this work by your Spirit. Uh, Lord, please help those amongst us who are still thinking on these things, still wondering about Jesus, who he is, what he's done. Uh, Lord, please help them even today. And Lord, again, by your spirit, help us to hear your voice this morning clearly, the promises, the comfort, the rebuke, the challenge this morning as we look into Romans chapter 8. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, massive, massive question on the table this morning as we come into Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5. Uh, And here's the question, how would you know if you are really saved? How would you know if you're really a Christian, really a disciple of Jesus? A super important question, isn't it? A friend of God or are you still an enemy of God? I reckon that's a super important question for us as a church. Uh, If we're all about making disciples, lifelong disciples of Jesus, how would we know when we've actually made a disciple? of Jesus, a lifelong disciple of Jesus. But it's super important for us personally, isn't it? Because how would I know that I'm with Jesus and he's with me? Uh, It's really important, isn't it? As you think about that last day, the eternal things, when you get there on that last day and and, and God is there, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, welcome home? Or is he going to say, I never knew you? Uh, It it comes up in Romans chapter 8 because we've heard the promise last week, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise. Uh, But does that promise apply to you? Are you in Christ? Now, last week we saw a, a sure and certain way to know. Here it is. To trust in Jesus, to depend on him, to rely on him, his life, His perfect righteous life, his death for your sin on your behalf, his resurrection. If you rely on him and trust in him, there is the doorway into Christ. You are now in Christ. You are now benefiting from all the things that God has done on your behalf in Jesus. What a wonderful thing. Uh, if, If you have put your faith in Christ... You are benefiting from the greatest transfer that's ever taken place. His life in place of yours. His righteousness has become your righteousness. He died in your place for your sin. Now you hear those words, no condemnation. Now you are forgiven. Uh, remember that phrase we, we, we kept, I kept saying last week, everything that is true of Jesus is now true of you. What an awesome thing. When God looks upon his beloved son and says, there is my my spotless, blameless son whom whom I love, he now looks upon you and says, you are my 
spotless, blameless son whom I love because you are in Christ. It's so good, isn't it, to be in Christ, to be in Jesus, to be a Christian. Uh, It's so freeing, isn't it? Uh, Jesus has done all the work. It's his life, it's his death, his resurrection on our behalf. We need to trust him and we are in Christ. There's how you know, trust Jesus, rely on him, depend on him. You have no condemnation. But there's something that follows that. There's something, into the, which is what today's passage is all about. There's, there's another way you would know whether you are in Christ. And it doesn't, it doesn't bypass faith in Christ. In fact, it is sure evidence that you have put your trust in Jesus. Do you get me clearly there? Here's a way that you'll see that you're in Christ, that you really have put your trust in him. It's all about an experience that has happened to you. It's all about an experience that continues to happen to you. It's something really, really noticeable in your life. It's something that I'd be surprised if others haven't noticed in your life. As they get to know you, it'll become very clear. Look with me. Have your Bibles open. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 4. It's those who live according to the Spirit. It's those, verse 5, who have their mind now set on what the Spirit desires. Here is the person who is governed by, directed by, controlled by God's Spirit, verse 6. Because Paul's opening up in this section two massive worlds that exist. Two realms, two kinds of people. And you will find yourself in one of these two realms. You cannot be in both realms. You won't switch between the realms. You'll be in one of these. And notice with me, they are two very distinct worlds. Uh, I wonder whether you picked this up uh, as you heard the passage read this morning. But I want you to think with me, which world are you living in? What are you governed by? Look at it with me in verse 5. There are those who live according to the flesh. They have their minds set on what the flesh desires. And then there are those who live in accordance with the Spirit. They have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, the mind governed by the flesh is death. But on the other hand, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Uh, the mind back to governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who live in that realm of the flesh cannot please God. That's got a lot to do with your mind, what you've got your mind set on, your will, your heart, your affections. It's actually getting at your soul, who you are. Where are you at? What do you love? Which one are you part of? Uh, Very, very distinct, isn't it? Uh, The flesh is full of death, hostility to God, doesn't submit to God's law, cannot submit to God's law, doesn't know God, dead to God. And then there's the person who's alive to God has life, has peace, is governed by the Spirit. Look at verse 9. If you're in the realm of the Spirit, it goes deeper. The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. And if you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you don't belong to Jesus. Uh, Verse 10. If you're in the Spirit... Your body will die. You're still caught up and affected by sin and death. Your body will die. 
but the Spirit will raise you to life because that same Spirit that's in you also raised Jesus to life. Does that remind you of something else in in Romans? All those who are in Christ died with Christ, Romans chapter 6. All those who are in Christ, just like Christ rose from the dead, you will also rise from the dead. Now he's using very similar language, isn't he? If you're in the Spirit, the Spirit is within you, then what happened to Jesus will happen to you. He will raise you from the dead. Well, how would you know if you're in this realm of the Spirit? Now, picture this scene with me. Um, I've got a picture up here of... uh, It's meant to be a sewage tank, a sewage pond. Um, So picture a man standing on the edge of this sewage tank, uh, full of disgusting sewage. Someone hits him over the head with a rock. He falls into the tank... His whole body is covered in gunk, in sewage, in who knows what. He's, you get the picture? He's completely caked in it. He's lying there. Now, how would you work out whether he is alive? How would you work out whether he's alive? What's the sure sign that he's alive? Not, not the cause of him being alive, but what's, what's one sure evidence that he is alive. Isn't it that you see him flapping about? You see him trying to get out of that pond, trying to remove the gunk, the sewage from himself, to get out of there. Who are the ones who live according to the Spirit? It's the ones trying to get out of sin. It's the ones trying to get out of sin. Because the mind set on the Spirit is alive to God. A massive change has taken place. They now do what the Spirit of God desires. It's the very opposite of what the flesh desires, happy to sit in sin, hostile to God, cannot obey God, uh, cannot please God, is, is dead in the water. And it raises a question, doesn't it? If you're dead to God, if you don't know God... Uh, if you're in the realm of the flesh that's, pu- that's painted in such stark pictures, hasn't it been raised to you, have, hasn't this come up in your mind? What about good people? What about people who are good moral people? What about my friends who are good moral people? Now, I don't think Paul is saying here that if you're in the realm of the flesh, if you're dead to God, you're, he's not saying you're as evil as you could be. He's not saying that. That's certainly not our experience, praise God. He's also not saying that you commit every possible sin that you could commit. And he's not denying that you could be good, you could be generous, you could be kind. Uh, and, And isn't that so good that that's the case? That before the Spirit of God took hold of your life, there were still lots of good things that were happening in your life. And aren't you so thankful that that God in his kindness uh, shares his grace, uh, good things come out of even those who who are hostile to God. They can can be generous, they can be good, they can be kind. That is a great gift from God. But at the heart of it, there's something else going on, isn't it? You're living, if you're in that realm of the flesh, you're living to your own values and your own priorities. And you may do good things, you may have a moral compass, but actually it's got more to do with what you think is right 
It's got more to do with what you think is good, whether God thinks it's good or not. I don't know whether you've heard this illustration before. Uh, it's the picture of the good sailor on the, on the sailing ship. So imagine with me, you're on a sailing ship. We're back in the 1800s. Uh, this is the kind of ship you're on. Um, so it's good, isn't it? This week, we're, we're not on a plane. Um, we're not sponsored by anyone. Um, this is not a free plug for an airline. People were getting concerned. So I flipped it to a, a ship. You're on the deck of the ship. And you look out and you see another, another ship out to sea. You grab the telescope and you look through the telescope and you see a sailor on the deck of the other ship. And you notice that he's an impressive sailor. He's hard at work. He's respectful to the captain. Uh, you can actually see that he's helping other sailors. Uh, a sailor's injured and he's assisting that sailor. Um, over time you realise this guy's been working a long time on that deck, he's actually taken an extra shift uh, for the sailor who's sick below deck. And in every way you go, wow, that guy is impressive. That guy is a model sailor. Now here's the thing, is he a good man or is he a bad man? Surely he is a good man, but then you pan back and you realise... He's actually on a pirate ship. He's actually flying under the flag of the skull and crossbow. That ship has a completely different mission. That ship is heading in a different direction. He is part of the rebellion. For all his goodness, all his respect and honour, you actually see it all now completely differently, don't you? As you pan out and you see that, you, you realise... All of that good actually operates towards a different end, an evil end. Now you realise that, well, his honour, his, his morality, his respect is, is massively coloured by the, the team that he's on. And so, isn't it true that you can be a good person, you can be a moral person, you can live a life that many people would say that, that, is, that does look good but it can still be offensive to God because your, mor- your morality, your honour is exercised in the way that you want to exercise it. What you think is good to your end, and that's the heart of sin, isn't it? That's what happened back in Genesis chapter 3. It's actually saying, God, I want to live in your world, I want to enjoy your world. I might choose to be a good person, but I- I'm going to do it my way. It's, it's what I think, really. And you can do that in two very distinct ways, I reckon. I reckon you can do that incredibly politely, incredibly quietly as a good person, or you can do it as a complete ratbag. You can do it as someone who shakes their fist in great anger towards God and great anger towards other people. Do you remember the TV series Underbelly? Uh, It was a pretty... uh, pretty awful series in many ways. I haven't seen it all. I'm not recommending it to you. It is pretty graphic. Um, But there it is. It's it's all about Melbourne's criminal underworld. Um, So here is um, gangs of men, mainly, uh, in organised crime, murderers, thieves, drug dealers. It's full of immorality and cheating and backstabbing and and, and violence and all kinds of stuff. And, And... and you can imagine some of the, the scenes that will be in that, in that series. You can imagine how awful it is. 
Uh, it, it is the sewerage pit uh, that they're living in. Uh, but you know the most shocking thing I found about that series? You know the thing that really hit me in the face, because I think I was prepared for everything else? Um, it was the scene where the families of the gang members are getting together in, in the backyard of one of the gang members. It's a bright, sunny day. There's, there's things cooked on the barbecue. They're enjoying a beer and a wine. The wives are there. The kids are playing in the backyard. There's laughing and enjoying of each other's company. And I thought, that is so normal, isn't it? That just looks like Australian life. They stood... You realise they have great friends with each other. They love each other. They honour each other. There's a brotherhood amongst the men. The wives get together. Um, the men love their wives. I, I do admit they love their wife, different to the way I love my wife. But they love their kids. They want what's best for the, their kids. Their kids go to private schools. They went to church. Some of them were very religious. They confessed their sins to a priest. But make no mistake, they were rebels. They were rebels. In God's world, they were doing their own thing, their own way, shaping life, shaping morality, love, family, even great good things to the way they wanted to go. And so, you know, you can do this as a professional criminal... And you know you can also do this as the nicest person in the world. You can do this in a Christian context. You can actually do this in the context of church. You can actually be the person who's part of church who's not yet a friend of God. You're still running your own race. You can, you can kind of look like you're loving God. You can look like you want the things of God. But you're actually a pretender. And I mentioned this last week. Do you remember how fierce Jesus was about pretenders? Do you remember how, what raises the temperature for Jesus? It's hypocrites, isn't it? People who look fantastic, look religious, want to come to Jesus, want to know how to be saved, but actually their heart's not there. Do you remember the guy that came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do to be saved? And you think, surely there's the guy. Um, and Jesus says to him, you need to give up your money. You cannot live for me and, you, and money at the same time. And you think to yourself, what would you do? If, you, if God turned up in the flesh and said, here's what you need to do to enter the kingdom of God. If you want to love me, if you want to honour me, if you're sincere, here's what you need to do. What would you do? If you were genuine in your heart, you'd do it, wouldn't you? But it's just a facade for this man. He goes away sad. I reckon that'll be the same for us. You'll, you'll explain Jesus' words away. You'll, you'll say, it can't mean that, or that's too hard, or how about I shape Jesus a little bit more comfortably for me and I'll, I'll just live with my version of God, which is just about me living at the centre, doing things my way. Just, I just use Christian language. But Romans 8, not so if you have the Spirit. Not the case if you're governed by the Spirit, ruled by the Spirit. Not the case if God himself has come to dwell within you as a person. Uh, what's going to happen? You're going to start to love the things that God loves. Hate the things that God hates. 
Sin is going to start to feel really, really uncomfortable with you. You're going to want to put sin off. You're going to want to get it out of there. You're going to want to live a life pleasing to him. Did you notice um, in Brooke's beautiful testimony, it was God changing her her love, completely turning her around from wanting to please people to wanting to please God. It's a complete 180 degree change, isn't it? Look at verse 9. If you live in the realm of the Spirit, the Spirit of God lives in you. That's That's an amazing statement, isn't it? And then it goes on, the same spirit is also called the spirit of Christ. Look at the next line. And then if you have the spirit of Christ, sorry, if you don't have the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. And then verse 10, it is Christ who is in you. Did you notice what was happening there? The spirit is the spirit of God, who is the spirit of Christ, who is Christ in you. God has come to dwell within you by his spirit, but it's not three gods, it's one God who takes up his residence within you. It's, it's the same, it's, it's different ways of saying the same thing. God is governing you, God is directing you. If you have Christ, if you've trusted in him, you have God dwelling within you, you have the spirit. Uh, later on in verse 15, only by the Spirit that you can call God your Father. There's not two different kinds of Christian, the one who's put their faith in Jesus and the one who has the Spirit. As you put your faith in Christ, as you come to call God your Father, that only happened by the Spirit dwelling within you. You you have the Spirit. It's not at some later stage that you receive the Spirit. It's not something that you have to do to get the Spirit. There aren't two different kinds of Christians. You don't need to be concerned that, oh, you, yeah, you put your faith in Christ, you're forgiven. But have you received the Spirit? No, no. You've received the Spirit if you put your faith in Christ. Actually, look at verse 13. It's the Spirit that enables you to please God. So it's by the Spirit that you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You cast off sin. You get out of that sewage pit. And without the Spirit you'd have no desire to do so. And you'd have no ability to do so. You don't even realise there's a problem. That's the work of the Spirit. That's the movement of the Spirit. In fact, verse 14, that's what it means to be led by the Spirit. How do you know whether you're being led by the Spirit? It's much more important than, than knowing what job to take or what house to buy or... It's much, much more important than that. It's about being led to put to death the misdeeds of the body. It's about being led to now please God in everything, to love what God loves, to hate sin. It's that work that convicts you of sin, that leads you to repentance, that makes you trust Jesus again as your Lord and Saviour. It's the work that means I'm becoming more godly. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. So you see those two realms? See what we've covered this morning? You can only exist in one of those realms. It's either the realm of of the flesh or it's the realm of the spirit. As you put your faith in Jesus, you've received the spirit. Now the sure sign that you have is the spirit of, of God is at work in your heart. You're turning from sin. 
You love the things that God loves. And he's not saying you'll flip between the two. He's not saying choose the life in the spirit. He's saying you have that life in the spirit. He's not warning that there's two possibilities. Don't go over there. Come over here to the life of the spirit. It's not two classes of Christians. So be the one in the spirit. He's actually saying to his first listeners, he's saying to us that if you're in Christ, verse 7, 8 and 9, you have the Spirit. You do have the Spirit. You are living in the realm of the Spirit if you're in Christ. And so I just want to challenge you again this morning. Are you in Christ? Have you put your trust in Christ? Do you see the fruit of that, the evidence of that, the work of the Spirit in your life? Are you awake in the sewage pit? What's your heart of heart say? Do you want to flee from sin? Uh, Do you want to love God? Not perfectly. Waxing and waning over that, having difficulty with that, struggling with that, falling into sin, but alive to God to say, I need to be forgiven again. I need to turn to you again. You are my Lord. I want you to change me. It's the person who's quick to repent, quick to receive forgiveness. Uh, quick to get up and walk again by the power of the Spirit to please God and everything. That's what it means to live in the Spirit. The alternative is you're actually still living life your way without Jesus, without the Spirit. And so, again, let me encourage you, if, if that's you, if you're still, haven't put your trust in Jesus, you still are just, I don't think I have changed. I don't think I experienced this wrestle. Come and speak to someone today. That's, that's not a great place to be in. We want to help you put your faith in Christ, have that change. But as we finish up, if you are in Christ, if you're living according to the Spirit, look at verse 12, there's, there's an obligation. There's a new allegiance you have, uh, and something to, for you to do. Look at verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. He's saying, keep persevering in putting to death sin. Uh, Yes, you will fail. Yes, you'll see great success and then you'll fail. But be the people who are quick to put to death the misdeeds of the body, to repent, to seek forgiveness, to get up again and walk with Jesus. Keep persevering in that. Because you are going to feel the pull back to the realm of the flesh. You're not in the realm of the flesh, but you are going to be tempted to move back there. You're going to hear the call to go back there. Uh, You're going to be convicted by the Spirit. No, no, stay here, stay with Jesus, turn from sin. Uh, And you're going to have to keep saying to yourself, I don't belong in the realm of the Spirit. I now belong in the sorry realm of the flesh. I now belong in the realm of the spirit. It reminds me of, of um, the illustration of the freed slave. So the man who's been a slave all his life, his whole mindset is, I'm a slave. I live for my master. Uh, everything I do is, is for him. And then one day he's free. He's freed from all of that. Great rejoicing. And he's out... Uh, in community life and he comes across his old master 
And his master quite cruelly calls up to him and says, hey boy, come, come here, come and do this. And he's got to say to him, his first reaction is to go and do it, to go and be the slave again. And he's got to say to himself, that's not who I am. You are not my master. I don't do what you say. I am now a free person. Now I live by the spirit. I've been set free. Uh, the, The sin no longer has a grip on me. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm now free from condemnation. I'm going to pray for us now as we think further into these things and give thanks that God has done great work of the Spirit in our lives. So let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, thanks again this morning for the reminder of the awesome work you've done by your Spirit. That in, as we put our faith in Christ, because of what Jesus has done, his righteous life in our place, his death for our sins... You have now entered our lives by your spirit, the spirit of Christ. And now you are changing us, convicting us, shaping us to be more like Jesus. Father, please, for those of us who are in Christ, help us to keep putting to death sin. Keep saying no to the old life. Father, help us to keep in step with the spirit. The spirit that brings freedom, the spirit of truth of life, of peace. Our Father, help us to lean into these things. Help us to encourage one another with these things. And we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.